Right, well, I think Edward's getting ready to go up and uh, share with you. So you can go make your way up there. You enjoy your snack. Don't eat my portion. And the rest of us are going to turn to John chapter 13. And uh, this will almost be, be like another introduction. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you just need to step back for a second and take a deep breath. But uh, I think I need to, to pray and then we'll, we'll get into it this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for even just hearing pages turning. Lord, understanding that as we read these words, we read your words, Lord, and, and they're, they're for orthodoxy and orthopraxy, they're for our belief and practice. And it's so important to know these things. Um, yet we recognize we have many questions, and we recognize that some of these truths take a lifetime to find their place. And, and, and Lord, we thank you for, for your grace and patience in this. But Lord, I pray that we find ourselves diligent to study, diligent to pursue and seek you in, in these words and in, the, in these pages. And I pray that um, the reward would be seen as discovering you and the reward would be seen being able to be used of you the way you desire. And I pray that we would be very careful with that. And I pray that you would lead uh, in this message and that we would enjoy our time together. And I pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Does everybody have a Bible? Because I got four sitting at the back there, just because just it's going to be a long word to work through um, just reading. But uh, the past couple weeks, we've been looking uh, appropriately at, at Christian suffering, right? And we looked at Jesus preparing himself and preparing um, the apostles as he's getting ready to go to the cross. Uh, oftentimes in the study, we call it the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, right? And Jesus recognizing what he's going through. And uh, last week we understand, I think, very clearly that the church is called to continue in that obedience. But we also recognize that Peter had a hard time understanding why his king was going to die. Right? And I think each of us would, would very, very much be in the same place. I mean, even, even today, this side of, of understanding that Christ willingly went to the cross, shed his blood, died, was buried, and rose again. Being this side of placing my faith in him, I still don't understand you know, completely why that was part of God's plan. But that was God's plan, right? And it was for, for him uh, and his holiness and, and, and perfection, uh, providing what was needed for man to come to him. And I'm just like, man, that is grace and mercy, undeserved favor, everything we try and understand. Um, but when we look at these chapters that are before us, and, and this, is, this is part of where I've been, chapters 13 to the end of 17, right? in order to understand what's going on here, we need to have a framework. Right? We need to have a, a contextual, theological, basic framework for this. And this week I found myself, and I mean, I, I keep printing it on paper, I just keep reading it in one chunk, just reading it, right? And, and this week we're just going to take a step back, right, in order to take a deep breath. Because sometimes we get caught up in reading little segments, don't we? 
right, and just making little statements. So we're going to take a step back, and we're going to try to approach this um, text with a wider lens. Because we recognize that as, as John the evangelist, as, as the apostle John is writing this, this is what we believe. Right? These, this is the theology of what a Christian believes. This is not just a story. This is the, the defense and the foundations that Christians in the early church and throughout history died for. Right? They, they were unmoving on these truths. So with that wider lens... We're going to look at the three questions um, that were asked, or three questions and statements, in chapters 13, the last part, and 14. Um, We see Peter asking, Lord, where are you going? In verse 36. I'm just doing this so you recognize the layout. Okay, verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? We're going to look at um, 14, verse 5. Where Thomas asked him, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? I mean, these are sincere questions by people that have been with Jesus for three and a half years. We're going to look at the question there in 14 verse 8, where Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. I mean, very very key. I mean, the, they have to understand these things for their faith. And then lastly, in 1422, this is how the series is going to go, where Judas, not Iscariot, um, son of James, if we go to Luke 6, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us as believers and not the world? You know, how, did, how is that going to work? I know even I had a question this week, you know, about prayer. How, how is it that God hears his children, right? And, and how that separation from the world, how does that work? Well, um, we're going to be looking at it. So with these four statements, four questions, we're going to, and I think this is me, we're going to learn our way through this. Does that make sense? I don't want to just dictate here. We're going to learn, learn our way through the disciples didn't understand to be the next slide, and this is kind of the preamble. Actually, hold on. We're going to read through the text with those four questions up there. And uh, we're going to take our time. We might do some flipping here. If you've got a pen, keep it handy. Um, but it's important to see the, the big, big picture. So in verse 36, we're just going to step in of John chapter 13. It said, Simon Peter said to him, Lord... Right? And right from the very beginning, we recognize that there's an authoritative. Right? This is a master. Jesus was Peter's, Peter's authority. I mean, Peter was the one that confessed, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So when he said Lord, um, it wasn't just a roommate thing, was it? It wasn't just a traveling companion. Like, like Peter, Peter was bending the knee to his authority. Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, said, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And I think we've already covered, Jesus was talking about he's going to the cross, right? I just want you to turn with me to the last chapter of John, John chapter 21, real quickly. John chapter 21, Jesus says, where I am going now, you cannot follow me, pardon me, where I am going, you cannot follow me now but you shall follow me afterward. These apostles had a 
a special understanding that there is suffering as a believer and a special understanding that there was going to be a requirement of their lives. Okay, read with me in John chapter 21, verse 18. Um, Jesus is speaking to Peter just after that famous, do you love me? Tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Um, verse 18 says, most assuredly I say to you, speaking to Peter, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. I mean, you started your day, you, you went about, right? You, had, you, you, you decided where you went. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death, who's the he? Peter. The death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So the cross wasn't for the apostles, right? The cross wasn't for, for anyone else but Jesus. Why? Because he was the son of God. He was the lamb of God. He was the perfect sacrifice, right? And, and nobody else. That's why we don't believe there, there isn't anything that we can do that's good enough to get us to heaven. It was all finished at the cross. The cross had to happen. So we come back to John chapter 13, and we step into verse 37. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Words are sometimes empty until they're tested, aren't they? Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled, right? The, the sufferings, the, 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 the frictions, the pressures of the world, the things that are coming. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, right? I mean, they, they were Jews. They believed in Jehovah. They believed God was one, right? Be as one. Um, you believe in God, believe also in me. Who's the me? Jesus the Christ, right? The Son of God. He's the anointed. Christ means the anointed chosen one. The Old Testament all pointed towards him, right? The Son of God um, connects us with Isaiah, the Holy One of God. He's God himself in the flesh. You believe in God, which the Jews did, believe also in me. Believe that I am the anointed chosen one. I am God in the flesh. This is Je or, you're not Jesus, you're my wife. Chrissa said, right? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven's an anticipated thing, isn't it? Right, we're looking forward to that. But as we read our Bibles, we recognize that, that that's not where we spend eternity. Right? Jesus is going to rapture his church. There's going to be seven years tribulation. And then, then where does Jesus come to institute and inaugurate and all those other big words? Where does he set up his kingdom of God? On earth. Right? For a thousand years. Right? And that's what's going to make our study. The, these apostles needed to understand who Jesus is and how, how this program works. Where is the eternal state? Just while we're there. New heavens. New earth, right? 
and it takes us from the, the heaven being the Lord, which, and I don't want this to be confused, stepping into Christ's presence is going to be amazing. There's not, I mean, that is, that is our goal. That is the wonderful, that is the completion of everything that we anticipate. But there's also the added bonus and reward of ruling and reigning with him, right? Like, like that intimacy and, and, and being able to touch him and, 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 and I don't know, stroll down the, 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 the streets and talk to him, right? There's going to be that added bonus um, for, for placing your faith in Christ. But here there, Jesus is talking about suffering and there's a time, like the kingdom of God is, is, is God's appointed time is set, but it's, it's there's an in-between. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you remember me saying about Stephen? Right, as Stephen is being stoned to death, right? Who did he see standing up at the right hand? Jesus, okay? As these apostles are facing and the suffering and the Christians, they know that, that Jesus is going to call them home. He's got a place prepared for them, right? We don't worry about it. This life is temporal. As we're going through the thick of things, right? Um, Jesus is preparing a place for us. That where I am, there you may be also. And, and remember this, because in John 17, we'll get there again. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. I was thinking even just the things that we just listed. I mean, how, how many of our teens and young people my age know those truths? Those basic foundations of their faith, where they're going to spend eternity that they're going to be persecuted and suffer for their faith. Right? And Thomas asks a very, very good question. Jesus says, where I go, you know, and the way you know, Thomas said to him, Lord, right? picture that bended knee, right? you're my authority, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Okay, well, something's missing here in this mix. There's got to be some teaching going on. We've got to fix this. And how can we know the way? Chris already presented that, right? We have the Word. Jesus was the Word. Jesus was explaining the Scriptures. Jesus was speaking for God. How do we know the way? How do we know what's next? The Word. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I'm, I'm debating. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. This is just a thought from this week. Because how do we know God's plan? How do we know God's next step? How do we know God's going to, Jesus is going to lead us through the suffering and call us home to that mansion? We'll look at this in our study a little bit later as well. But in Matthew chapter 16, we have the great confession of Peter. Right? Matthew 16, 16, easy to remember. Right? The, the Caesarea Philippi. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right? You are the Christ. You are the anointed chosen one. You are the Son of the living God. God Himself come in the flesh. Um, we have that special moment. But then in Matthew chapter 17, Verse 1 explains to us that now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. I kind of thought to myself, 
Thomas wasn't there, was he? Thomas doesn't go up the Mount of Transfiguration. Thomas isn't part of this special, special experience. And I'm looking forward to studying this with you. But verse 5 of Matthew 17, for Peter, James, and John, here we see, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Who's speaking? God the Father from the throne room of God. What an affirmation, right? What a confirmation as to who Jesus is. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What's God say? Hear him. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Hear him. I couldn't help but think there. Thomas wasn't, Thomas wasn't there. Right? Even there, if we continue and we won't... Uh, Verse 9 says, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Right? I mean, this is something there that was almost maybe too good to be handled at the time. I haven't quite processed that. I mean, Jesus is up there and he's glowing with the glory that, that, that is a little less veiled. And that's a picture of what the Messianic kingdom will look like. But here we have, if we come back to John chapter 14, verse 6, he's speaking to Thomas. Right? And Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus speaking with utmost authority. Right? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. <laughs> Just a, a, a connection. But then he turns there with verse 7. He says, if you had known me, Thomas, right? if you had completely understood this, right? if, you had, if you had connected the dots for this, you would have known my father also. Man, it's only thing I, I wish Thomas had been there to hear God and, and hear that confirmation, but he wasn't. But how does he connect the dots? How is Thomas going to connect the dots? Listening to the word, right? Turning to the word, connecting the word of God with who Jesus is. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him, right? The connection is made. Philip said to him, Lord, and again with that bended knee, the authority, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? Right, and this is a gnosko, this is a, a connection, this is an experience. I mean, you haven't completely understood who I am yet. I can't help but think of how many believers, baby believers, how many people in our churches don't get the full picture of who Jesus is. Don't grasp that. And sometimes our moorings when we're being shaken, it's because we don't have our foundations. We don't understand who this King of glory is, who this King of King, Lord of lords, who this Messiah, uh, who we will be ruling and reigning with and, and trust him because when he says this life is temporal. Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me, who's the me? Jesus, the word. He who has seen me has seen the Father. What's that saying? Full deity. This is the deity of Christ. You can't miss it. 
Right? I mean, it's that. If you're looking at Jesus in the flesh, God incarnate, come to, to die on the cross, if you're looking at Him, you have seen the Father. You can't deny the deity of Christ, and yet, throughout history, people do. Right? The deity of Christ is, is, is foundational. God Himself paid the price for sin. He who has seen me has seen the Father, and so how can you say, show us the Father? I mean, it's easy. Philip wasn't understanding the deity of Christ here. And that's okay. I mean, I don't want to browbeat him here. I mean, that's a pretty big thing. Um, it, it takes us, you know, I'm going to say years to grasp this as we study faithfully the Word of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. It's very important. It's crucial. The eternities of, of the apostles here, there, and what they were going to teach rests on this. The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Right? These red letters. Now, this is God the Father speaking. All authority. You don't question. There aren't suggestions. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Right? They are one. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. All right? Uh, and we got time. Turn with me to John chapter 5, verse 36. And again, that, that, that comment and the, you know, seven years of, of walking with the Lord and, and people do hold that these things aren't important to people's faith. They're not important to people's. And John chapter 5. Verse 36, this whole chapter, and you may remember, and this is probably almost two years ago when we covered it, maybe not quite, but I mean there was a fourfold witness, fourfold witness of, of how Jesus was authenticated, right? He was authenticated um, by God himself. He was authenticated by John the Baptist who came before him, by the word of God, by God himself from heaven, whether it's the baptism or the mount, and he was authenticated by the works of that he did. Verse 36 says, But I have a greater witness than John, John the Baptist, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. He's talking to the Pharisees here. Jesus didn't go just doing humanitarian efforts. Right? Everything that he did, everything that the apostles did, right, was authenticating that they had the authority of God. And here Jesus is saying there, as I'm doing these works, it's God doing them through me. As I'm speaking these words, it's God speaking through me. You can't miss that, the deity of Christ. So John chapter 14, we'll keep reading verse 12, and I think it is important to do an overview before we, we step into it um, in a little bit smaller chunks. Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, right, entrusts himself, believes that Jesus believes by faith, right? And that's, that's how we receive that salvation. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed chosen. We believe he is the Son of God, God himself come in the flesh to pay the price for sins, right? He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, or he will do also, right? And that was what the apostles were going to be called to, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Can you see how the apostles were to continue what Jesus had started? 
right, to continue that, and the apostles were to train the church to continue what Jesus had started. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Who does the church belong to? It's Christ's church. But we understand God, Jesus, <laughs> Spirit, right? But it's Christ's church. It's Christ's bride. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you. How long? Forever. I mean, we're just touching the service. I mean, eternal security right here. I mean, when you believe and place your faith in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? You're regenerated and dwelt, adopted, and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. I think I went ahead of myself. Who's the helper here? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. When, when does he come? As we think dispensationally, reading our Bibles, when does the Holy Spirit come? Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, right? That, that big change um, and we'll, we'll get to that as we study. I mean, key things. Does a new believer need to understand the ministry of the Spirit in their lives? Very much so. Right? Needs to understand there that they're not alone. Needs to understand that they're being set apart and sanctified. Needs to know what to do when they make mistakes. Right? I mean, that cleansing. I mean, it's such a, a key thing. For the apostles, verse 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Who's the world? The unsaved, the lost, the orderly arrangement of those who do not belong to God that, that we're separated from. I'm not judging, right? We're just reading the scriptures here. We understand that they're not part of this until they believe. Because it neither sees him, sees Christ, nor knows Christ. As he's speaking to the apostles, you know, probably back up again the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him spirit nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you i'm looking forward to that study i will not leave you orphans i will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more but you will see me because i live you will live also resurrection at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Then we get into some beautiful verses of agape love again, talking about intimacy with Christ. And those that, that, that understand that agape when you wake up in the morning, right, and you're desiring that time with the Lord, when you're desiring to, to okay, Lord, I, 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 I'm just looking for, for that that intimacy this morning. Um, for me, it's my armchair. As soon as I hit that top step, I'm hoping I hit the top step, right? I mean, for me, it's my armchair, just my quiet moments, because I know that's my agape love time. Right? I know that's when I'm working and, and, and I'm, I'm experiencing that intimacy to begin my day. Right? He who has my commandments and keeps them, verse 21, it is he who loves me. Think fellowship with Jesus, right? I don't think I'm wrong in saying that doesn't just happen because we're sinners, 
right? We, we get on our own track. We allow things to come in between us and the Lord. That's something that, that we, we have to work at. That's something that is in the seeking of Him, right? Keeping the commandments, coming to Him. He who has my commandments, the Word, and keeps them, it is He who loves me, has that intimate fellowship. And He who loves me will be loved by my Father. As you're seeking that intimate relationship with Christ, guess what? You're receiving that intimate love from the Trinity, from God the Father, right? I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and you know when you're in that place. And I will, agape, love him and manifest myself to him. Those quiet moments where you see God's hand work, or you see the Spirit moving, right? Okay, there you are, Jesus, right? But it, it takes the seeking. Verse 22, Judas, not a spirit, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How, how is it that separation? How is that going to work? I mean, maybe he's even asking in the heaven, but I mean, how is that fair? How does that work with evangelism? How, how does that work with the future church? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, right, and think of that special intimate relationship you have with Christ, Right, that that spirit, spiritual connection, spirit-led connection. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. Right, there's an obedience. Right, there, there's, a, a, there's a cleansing that's needed there. Right? What happens when we sin? We break fellowship. But he, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9, right? When we keep his commands, when we come back, that confession, that relationship is restored. Not positionally, you don't lose your salvation, but there's broken intimacy, broken fellowship. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. I'm looking forward to that study. But here we go, verse 24. Because right? the question was there, how, is he, how the Spirit manifests yourself to us and not the world? He who does not love me, and again, I mean, we can say a lot of things with our mouths. Right? Oh, I love Jesus, I love God, I love church. He who does not love that, that intimate fellowship with Christ, he who does not love me, does not keep my words. Right? Their lives don't line up with this and it's very evident they don't have that intimate fellowship and the word which is you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me right that's that's not just a man's voice that's ultimate authority being said these things i have spoken to you while being present with you but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. How do we understand the scriptures that we believe? How do we understand the deeper things of Christ? How do we, how do we walk in that intimacy with Christ? How, I mean, when you're reaching for Jesus and, and things are, are, let's say the wheels are falling off the wagon, how, how, how is it that a believer finds himself in that place of discovering or finding Jesus in that. It's the Spirit. Right? It's that fellowship. It's making sure there's no sin and allowing the Spirit to lead you to that agape love 
and, and obedience is the key here. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Believe what? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I will no longer talk with much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from there, and we understand that he starts making his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. So I think we're just going to cap it there. You know how long it takes me to read my Bible now? It's understanding what's going in here, but my heartbeat and the heartbeat for my church family is we, we have people in our lives that don't know who Jesus is. You know, and, and they have a, a, an Easter, Easter message. They have the gospel. They know what took place in the cross and glory, hallelujah. I mean, that believing that, that he died for you, believing that, that, that he's got himself paying that price, that he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again victorious on that third day so that I can have that relationship with him. That's amazing, right? And I mean, that, that, that is what we preach. Right? We're a Christ-centered, gospel-driven church, but what happens when life happens? Right, what happens when all of a sudden, like that 11-year-old, right? what happens when he turns, I can't say his father's left because he already has. I mean, like it, 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 what happens when, when he finds himself in the gutter? Right, or what happens when, when the parents are divorced? What happens when alcohol and drugs and meth and everything comes into their lives? What happens then? Who's their Jesus? What are they holding on to? Do they know how powerful their Messiah is? They know who holds, holds their eternity. And now we start beginning to understand why it's so important to understand the Jesus of the Bible. So I think with this, this study, I'm just going to walk us through these questions. You know, Lord, where are you going? You know, for, for anyone, even a mature believer, where is Christ right now? What is he doing? You know, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Do you know how to explain that from Scripture? Right there, where, where Christ is and what's going on. Do you know how to explain the way? Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Where's God? And where is God in the mix of this? Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? We're just going to work through these questions and uh, so we can explain this to our next generations. Because um, I'm pretty sure my generation isn't doing it. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, I pray that uh, you would just have us reread through these texts, um, reread through this whole upper room discourse. Lord, uh, read it as a whole. Lord, and I pray that um, if we have questions, we would write them down. Lord, I pray that... Uh, we would recognize that we need answers for the people in our lives that ask questions. And I pray just as Jesus was explaining the, the Holy Spirit's role in studying, 
Lord, I pray that we would examine ourselves every time we open this book, every time we get quiet before you. Lord, sin does horrible things in our lives, but spiritually, Lord, it breaks fellowship with you. And oftentimes we don't talk about that. Lord, I pray that we examine, we would confess our sin, um, we would allow ourselves to be cleansed so that we can understand these truths. And oftentimes I think there when we're searching, it's because we're not searching in the right places and it begins in our hearts. Lord, may your truth come alive. Lord, may our ears get used to hearing you speak. And I pray that you would use us powerfully as we learn. And I pray these things in your precious name. Amen.